Hello and welcome to The Conjectural, an experiment to figure out a better way to decide what science news is and how we should talk about science. The data for this experiment, your feedback to theconjectural.com. I'm Robert Frederick. In this episode, a story about the world's largest rainforest and how scientists don't really know what will happen to it with a warming climate. In 2005, the Amazon forest experienced a terrible drought. Many crops failed. Whole lakes evaporated. It killed off a lot of fish. Disease spread. It stranded boats and the people who used them. There was economic havoc. When the 2005 event happened, there was a lot of scientific interest in it. And people published papers saying this is likely a 100-year event. Scott Denning is a professor of atmospheric science at Colorado State University. And then it happened again five years later. It's like, well, maybe it wasn't a 100-year event. Certainly not anymore, right? So that's the problem, is that the climate is changing. And what used to be very rare droughts in a rainforest have become more common already. And the question is, well, how bad does this have to get before we wind up killing off the trees? And that's the question I would like to try to answer. The reason that question matters is because there's been a fair amount of work among climate scientists about what the tipping points are. The points at which the accumulation of all the little changes we've seen so far to Earth's climate cause big changes to Earth's climate. One of those potential tipping points is that as the tropics warm, causing more water to evaporate out of the forests, the tropical forests become unsustainable. They can't get enough water. The trees die. If that happens, all of the carbon that is currently trees and leaves and, you know, dead branches and stuff on the ground turns back into CO2 through rotting decomposition, which would be terrible because it would accelerate climate change and it's sort of a runaway process. I mean, and not that it would run away and become like Venus or something, but that it might amplify the amount of warming that we got from just the fossil fuel CO2. And some climate models show the Amazon forest dying off as the climate warms. And other climate models don't do that. They get hot, but they don't kill off the rainforest. So there's a lot of question about why and how does the real world work as opposed to the model worlds. Of course, the model worlds are educated guesses, hypotheses of how the real world will work in the future. But Denning doesn't want anyone to think that global warming is some kind of theory based on computer models. Global warming is based on common sense. That's Denning speaking at the 6th International Conference on Climate Change, hosted by the Heartland Institute back in 2011. It's not based on computer models, it's not based on recent temperatures, and it's not complicated. You're plenty smart enough to understand it with your own brains. You don't need experts. It's all about heat. Heat in, heat out. That's really the whole story. You know this to be true in your own experience. You know that the more heat you put in, the warmer it gets. The more heat that goes out, the colder it gets. Uh, when we talk about weather, we have to talk about heat coming in and out the sides. But when we talk about the whole planet, there are no sides. The heat can only get in and out the top. Denning says he really enjoys giving these kinds of presentations to climate science-denying organizations like the Heartland Institute which is headquartered in Chicago. It's fun because it's unexpected for them to have a climate scientist come in and talk to them about 
you know, heat in minus heat out equals change in heat. Basic fifth grade level understanding of the climate system. They're expecting to have somebody give them a bunch of indecipherable graphs, computer model predictions, doom and gloom. There's sort of a cliche that they expect me to fulfill and it's entertaining to me to sort of bust their bubble and turn out to be funny and telling jokes and self-deprecating and, by the way, hopeful about the future. And I always emphasize that. How hopeful? Denning thinks we can solve the climate problem. I don't think it's the end of the world. I don't think humanity is screwed. I think this can be a solved thing. And I like to turn it around to audiences like the Heartland Institute and say, are you trying to tell me that in the greatest country on earth with the you know, free market that our people are too dumb to solve this, that our engineers are incapable of rising to this challenge, you know? Again, here's Denning in 2011. The physics basically doesn't care what you believe. People will wind up adapting to this. They, they always have, they always will. But if you don't help us to figure out how to adapt, we're going to wind up adapting in ways that are unacceptable to you. With policy already being enacted to deal with the perceived needs for addressing climate change. So, to better understand what those needs actually may be, Denning applied for and received a grant from the U.S. Department of Energy to study the Amazon rainforest in order to make climate models better. So we're just starting this new study to look at drought in the Amazon at different spatial scales and different time scales. In other words, Denning wants higher resolution. Right now, he says, most climate models consider the Amazon region as if it were divided up into chunks the size of the state of Connecticut. So that means the rainfall from a heavy thunderstorm, for example, is interpreted by some of these climate models as if it were a drizzle, because the rain from the heavy thunderstorm is spread out over a large area. Now, the water from a drizzle would barely reach the ground in the Amazon because of all the leaves in the dense canopy. So more of the water, sitting on the leaves, would evaporate back into the atmosphere rather than get to the ground and into the roots of the trees. Thunderstorms do happen in the Amazon, so getting a higher resolution of rainfall data helps in better understanding what's going on in the trees, on the leaves, and in the clouds. Because, of course, water vapor is a greenhouse gas. Many parts of the Amazon, we think of it as just being incredibly wet all the time, and that's true in some areas. But I don't know if you ever sort of look at a map of, of that, but in the northwest Amazon, it's very wet almost all the time. And as you go south and east across the Amazon, over thousands of miles, you get into more and more of what we call the dry season. It's a wet season and a dry season. And in the dry season, it can be, it still rains, but it rains way less. And those dry seasons get longer and longer and longer as you go south and east until the dry seasons are too long and then there's no more trees. So, oh, that's interesting. Maybe that's kind of an analog for the future. Are we going to start having longer dry seasons? So can I understand the effect of those longer dry seasons on different forests along that transect from northwest to southeast? So the data Denning is gathering for his study comes from four sources. Looking at these northwest-southeast changes in rainfall, but with higher resolution, the records from the droughts of 2005 and 2010, an experiment that actually causes persistent drought in a tiny region of the Amazon, and some satellite data. We've got a couple of experimental plots where colleagues built 
enormous gutters in the forest over areas of like five acres that they tried to capture the rain before it got to the ground and then channel it out of the forest and measure over a period of five years the changes in that forest as it slid into very long-term horrific drought. And the satellite data? There's a new satellite technology that actually, so most of the time when we measure forests from space, we're using reflected sunlight. The sun hits the trees, reflects in different wavelengths, different colors, and we can sort of measure that at the top of the atmosphere. But a lot of times it's really hard to use in the Amazon because it's cloudy. Turns out there's a tiny, tiny bit of light that comes up from the forest that is not reflected from the sun. Way down at the molecular level, inside the chloroplasts of plant leaves, there are chlorophyll molecules that fluoresce. Okay, fluoresce like fluorescent light. They glow, they emit photons of very specific wavelengths that are not present in sunlight. And we can detect those photons above the clouds, through the clouds, those photons make it through the clouds. I can measure the amount of photosynthesis in different places in the Amazon through the clouds over a period of time. And between all four of those things, so north-south gradients, the bad droughts in the last 10 years, the persistent drought experiments with the gutters, and then this new satellite technique with fluorescence, we're trying to answer the question, how vulnerable are those ecosystems to drought on seasonal to long-term timescales. So what's the timing for the results of this study? I guess I have a final report that'll be due um, by the middle of 2018. And how do you think it's gonna go? I think we will have a much better idea of how sensitive those forests are to drought and, and whether leading climate models get that right. We'll see how it goes. I don't know how it's gonna go. You've been listening to The Conjectural. Thanks to Scott Denning of Colorado State University. Find us online at theconjectural.com, where you can give feedback and support that makes this show happen. Download a transcript and subscribe to the show. Follow me on Twitter at The Conjectural. I'm Robert Frederick. Thanks for joining us.